I'm not sure if you know this, or it may not really matter at all, but I'm always kind of thinking about things I want to tell you about, like in my internal monologue, which apparently some people do not have. I'm always thinking that there's like a running list. Ooh, what I got to tell you about. Ooh, next time I have a chance. Ooh, what I ought... But sometimes finding that chance is a little elusive. But here I am into December. We have these two darling little grannies that come from the Silver Jinsai Center who, where retired folks sign up to do little odd jobs and they're in cleaning the house. <laughs> I've got them started and I've retreated to the barn. I have a cup of tea in air quotes because I forgot the tea strainer. So yes, it's tea and I will have tea leaves in my teeth as I go about talking to you. What I kind of have in mind, I scribbled some notes about personal archaeology, and what I mean by that is the diaries, the journals, the ephemera, the memories we all keep. And how do we archive these? How do we share these? What's our role in all of it? So if you've got a beverage and a few moments, let's uh, hang out and talk about that stuff. Would you care to? So over the last few days, a couple of things have come up to trigger this thought about riffing, about journals and whatnot. So first of all, as you probably know, over the last month and change, well, really over the last 35 years, but especially in the last month, I've been going through old journals, notebooks, both digital and analog, and transcribing things in order to assemble a poetry book. Well, a book of poems, free verse, diary snippets, letter fragments, musings, other oddities and whatnots into a book working title Circumnavigation of Sorts. And in that, I, it's, it's been quite an emotional journey. Like I know I'm always making things, but I also think that I'm never making enough, which is a strange conundrum. It's not like I'm being difficult on myself, but there are writers who I get up every day, it's five in the morning and I write for four hours and I take a 20 minute break uh, and then, and then I'm back at it for another eight hours. I'm not an endurance runner like that. I'm an experimentalist. I'm out there living and observing and then condensing and filling up my noggin with observations and, and mm, collecting the mundanities and using various techniques and whatever I have available, whatever substrate I have available, capturing these things. And then they go into get glued into books or thrown into shoeboxes or scrapbooks. And then eventually I try to transcribe them, which sometimes is a bit of a challenge, deciphering my own scribbles done in a fever pitch. But then there's also the part of it where you edit yourself and you switch on that part of the brain that says, oh my goodness, well, what I should have, what I could have, what I, oh my goodness, nobody ever see this. So I'm going to put that thought first. And then the next thought is recently I was on a dis an audio dispatch with a, a cat named Jason MD, who I've, if you've watched some of the video channels, you've seen, he wrote a fantastic book. And anyway, he lives in Gifu. He's from British Columbia, both things that, that we share. Although we don't know each other in real life, we do exchange a hearty postcard communication. Anyway, Writers Read Their Early Shit is his podcast. And the point of it is to pull out those journals of your unripe adolescent, what often gets called juvenilia, and talk about it. Read it. Talk about it. Who were you at that point? 
What does it make you feel now? And so, <laughs> like most things, I took it, uh, I obsessed about it a little bit and took it far too, not seriously, but earnestly, and wanted to pull things in that even you keen observers of my output, I know you're out there, probably hadn't seen, and things that kind of spanned a few different decades and a few parts of my life that sort of slipped through the cracks. So one of that was a mimeographed handout about a day in the life of King Tut because the podcast was released on the anniversary of Howard Carter and the Egyptian archaeologists and workers rediscovering the King, uh, v, KV-62 tomb. And it's a mimeographed newsletter, of which I take some liberties with, with historical fact. Then we move into a chapbook I made with my brother, Bob, about a memory of his elementary school teacher as well, and making a bus, and he was this interesting hippie cat, and, but made it into a chapbook, combining the words, the printing, the production, and the binding, and the cover, and making it into an actual thing, which is something I've loved doing since I was a little gaffer. We also went into a chapbook I made at Utah Valley Community College, which didn't make it into the final edit, but no big deal. But it was really interesting to dig this out, and then I realized, there might be a couple more of these floating out into the world, but I was working at the, the college library. It was Utah Technical College, then Utah Valley Community College, then da, da, da. Now, anyway, now it's U Utah Valley University. So I, you know, I've really upgraded my credentials, where I took a heavy course load of mountaineering, photography, ceramics, creative writing, and an ethics class that I never showed up for. I, it, it doesn't mean that I'm discounting ethics. It's, it was an inconveniently scheduled class. There were a few other things like the geology class where that involved walking across the Grand Canyon. I did great at that one. Anywho, this chapbook, again, combining words, collaboration, a cover, a binding, the printing. And I, I, you know, I did this project from beginning, middle to end. And I'm so happy that it still exists. And then there was... Uh, da, 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 da. Some snippets of short stories I, I, I wrote when I started going to University of Utah that I said, okay, let's see if I can be one of those people that writes serious, dry, mm, sparse. I'm, I mean, sparse more than, than dry short stories. And I was a 20-year-old, fresh-faced, long-haired, hippie kid ready to see everything, experience everything. And then shortly thereafter, I quit, went on Grateful Dead tour, ended up in Providence, Rhode Island, where I saw what real universities and the real East Coast life really looks like. And it was a real eye-opener for me because I realized that this was not my life, nor would it ever be. And the people who participated in this life didn't realize the life that they were participating in, nor did they realize what they were missing out on. But they did realize that the path, for the most part, was laid out in front of them. Very different experience for me, right? There's not one that's better than the other. It's just different. So it was, uh, anyway. So I read works from basically when I was 10 years old to 20 years old, and that was the end of my early days. But doing that, I went through into all of these archives and I had to turn off these edit, the editing part of my brain because if I would have said, well, I want to read things that make me look smart and clever, I would not have, uh, <laughs> I just would have skipped the whole thing. So then I, I, another uh, internet friend, a very lovely gent who sent me a, 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 a mixed CD recently, very grateful for that. 
He was laid up with the public health conundrum uh, uh, of note these last few years. And in that, during that time, where he was sequestered in a room, which is something I'm very familiar with, he pulled out travel journals, notebooks, diaries, whatever you want to call them. And unsolicitedly, I gave him my standard advice about turning off the editing critical part of your brain because there you were 20 something years old or whatever age out exploring the world. And the fact that you opened up a notebook and put a pen or a pencil or whatever, thumbprints, paints, whatever to it, that alone is a monumental act. There's so many people who go out traveling and rambling and do none of that. So many people go out and fill up a, 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 a camera or a phone or whatever with snapshots that don't get curated and cultivated and made into a bigger narrative. They just sit there or they end up in a digital shoebox, you know, a hard drive of some kind. Or do you ever have that conversation when you're out with someone and say, oh, I got this picture. Oh, I, somebody, I really got to show you this. Flip, flip, flip. Spend 17 minutes flipping for, through a, a, a phone to try and find a picture that at the end of it, it's like, what was the point of this anyway? So the point of this is, you have to turn off your critical part of your brain and savor the fact that you created these things out of out of thin air, right? Like that was you. It may not be it may not be James Joycey in quality, but remember when James Joyce wrote Ulysses, there was a lot of people said, "Oh my goodness, this is absolutely horrible," right? It might not be Kerouac, but oh my goodness, did he have a heck of a time getting published? May not be Walden. Walden was self-published. So put away the critical thinking. And congratulate yourself on the fact that you created something. It's the art of creation and the fact that these things exist. Your job then is to transcribe or curate or cultivate into something bigger than itself. Now, who is your audience? In the case of my circumnavigation book, I have a sign up right, right. I'm pointing at it as though you can see that says for Stanley, for me and for my pals. Right. And. There's things, I do have a firewall of things that I don't talk about. There's another sign over there, I'm pointing again, that says, the, my illness and the lovers are ghosts in the story. They may sort of appear in some mysterious circumstance or be alluded to, but it's not their story, right? And we all have firewalls of what we want. And I'm not saying that anything you produce has to go out there and you're sending it to Simon and Penguin, Schuster, Random, whatever. Like, that's totally not my racket, and that's what I, I have really less than zero interest in that route of publishing. Not that anyone's asked me. <laughs> so, uh, and then the other thing is, um, I had a conversation with my darling wife, who's obviously Japanese, and we were talking about the word uh, diary and journal, because she got a new little, you know, she uses an analog calendar book, and... Sometimes these will say diary on them. And so we talked about that the, the, the word diary sometimes applies to people's uh, personal uh, notes. But what's the difference between diary and journal? Sometimes a diary is more like a scheduling book. And in some places, I remember my dad always toted around, who was a real estate agent, toted around his day timer in the 80s. Oh, my day timer, my day timer. And it had all your things and your business cards and your other things and all your appointments and that kind of thing. And then, you know, Apple made the Newton that was like a personal digital assistant, you know, and, and another uh, day planner and scheduler. So the word diary kind of gets mutated and used in a lot of different ways and different in different cultures. And then there's the word journal, which sort of implies 
well, is this more of a logbook or is this more of like a reductive of a, a diary or is it something that's more intense and more long form than a diary might be? That's uh, not really to say. And then, then you get into scrapbooks and, you know, I make these uh, s s scrapbooks and that's sort of a demeanor of really what they are because these are, are scrap journals in a way. Uh, and I, 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 there's another cat I follow on, on the internet, Jose something or other, who um, creates, binds, and fills his own journals, like I do. However, his are really uh, design-centric, so paint, color, design. There are words, but the words aren't the focal point. It's the design and the, the paint part of it is the... So what's that line between a scrap journal and a journal and a diary and a book? And, and then I saw another message, someone saying, well, what's, how do I know uh, whether what I'm writing is uh, free verse poetry or a prose poem or a short, short story? Now, of these three buckets, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of want to hang out from a writing standpoint. And what I said, which was likely ignored was it doesn't really matter, right? It, your job is to create the thing and put it on a page and put it out and float it out into the world. And if someone wants to put it into a category and a bucket, a genre, is that even a word for that applies to this? That's, that's up to them. That's just marketing. That's just semantics. Your job is to create. So all of this leads me to say that if you've made something, and you probably have, and you probably have a shoebox or a shelf or a suitcase in somebody's attic or somebody's cellar, way down, hidden down in a deep, dark basement, high up in a glossy tower, these are your treasures, and these should be savored. And I encourage you to find these things and start to flip through them. Now, sometimes people are very serious about their their books. You know, there's a cat called Austin Cleon in Austin who's got quite an audience, wrote a book called Steal Like an Artist, and he does a whole production where he weighs his books at the beginning, and he has a whole process, and he squishes down his pen tail or his sharpie, to, and he's a draw. he's, he, you know, he's an artist who writes, a writer, writer who draws, whatever, and fills these things up, and he does them very sequentially, and then labels the spine about what month. Uh, my friend Jason, who I mentioned, will have a notebook who that has all the films and books he's ingested and another book for writing and this. And that. I find that it changes radically in my situation. Like when I'm traveling, I will have uh, a, a, one book that's kind of poetry and musings, another one that's kind of rough notes, travel information and train times and whatnot. And then I almost always have a scrapbook on the go. Now, sometimes these are kind of uh, folio sized, and sometimes these are quite large, like the size of, like say your 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 portable com computer, and I love these large format ones, and I often take will take one of those instead of aforementioned portable computer, and I love to sit in a coffee shop with scissors and glue and fill it up with travel and ephemera and scribbles and notes, but then I find as I've been going through these notebooks, in the same notebook I will have medical notes about new prescription drugs, a list of letters I need to write. Uh, uh, a shopping list, a few memories from some uh, foregone day that, oh, I should write about that sometime. 
And then scribbles of writing, sometimes things that I feel, oh, ooh, I better keep this. And I'll put a little note on it. And sometimes things that I'm kind of writing to kind of warm up and stretch. You know, I'm not a, I, I, I don't float to rhyming as a default, but as I've gone through these journals, I find that I rhyme a lot more than I thought I did. And a lot of these rhymey ones, I end up, when I transcribe them, go into a folder, a category called Old Man Punk Rock, that is, a sense is that, ooh, these would make more songs than poems. I have a book by Gord Downey, noted for singing the Tragically Hip, and he made some great soul albums before he passed away with a horrible, uh, well, anyway. And, and, and in his book, you'll label some as poems and some as, as lyrics. John Sampson, A Weaker Thens, he has a book, Poems and Lyrics. Well, what's the difference between them? I've been reading about Bob Dylan recently, and oh my goodness, it's a Bob Dylan reader of contemporary reviews of albums and discourse about him that came from the time when he was coming out on the scene in the, in the kind of the mid, uh, early to the mid 60s. And my goodness gracious, I mean, Bob Dylan, here we are decades and decades later with this incredible body of work that's varied in all kinds of styles, but people savaged him in the beginning. Holy smokes. And then fine-tuning the point of whether these are poems or these are lyrics. Well, this wouldn't stand alone on itself as a, as a poem. So how can people say he's the greatest poet of the, <laughs> the generation, says, says, the, says the critic. And Bob himself says, I'm a song and dance man, and think, oh, he's just being funny at the press conference. So all of this means that everything is semantics. Everything is just categories for categories' sake. And it's not your job to decide. Your job, your task, if you're interested, and all of this is optional, obviously, is to create things and preserve them. Now, what I mean by preserving this, this can be transcribing, this can be contextualizing, this can be taking things and sorting them out. This can be, some people are very holy with their notebooks, but sometimes I cut up the notebooks. I only write on, almost, almost always, only write on one side of the page because then I can cut things up and reconstitute them in other books. So as I've been going through the circumnavigation project, I have a notebook here and I, I, I'll put uh, titles on, on the front of the, of the scrapbooks sometimes. And this one says Poetic Tonics 2021-22 and it's all little snippets and notes and thoughts that are inspirations. Some things are letters that are mailed from other people. Some are are things that I've transcribed from writers that I, I care for, but it's all things talking about writing, about writing, about writing, or inspiring me. So when I need a little bit of spark to keep going, I flip this open while I'm having a cup of tea and I'm not talking to you. And all the other notebooks, you know, I'm, I'm quite literally surrounded by them right now. Here's Thailand, Malaysia, Poetry 2017. This one says, Poetry, etc., Nepal. Here's another Pokhara to Akaba poetry, etc. And they're all different notebooks. Some people are very particular and they only use this size black moleskins or whatever. Here's another uh, poetry, etc. You'll notice I overuse the word etc. because I'm very much etc. Plans, evolutions, and manifests from Indonesia. And this has a whole bunch of loose pages in it, so it's all bound together with a rubber band. 
uh, <laughs> there's a whole other stack here. If, if I look at that stack, I'm probably going to tumble down my entire setup uh, here. So the rules, the, 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 the technique is entirely up to you. The important thing is that you do something. So this is my invitation to say to you, if you have something that you're working on and you want to riff about this and you want to just, you know, hey, I've, I have these things, and before they go moldy in someone's basement, because heaven help you, water damage has destroyed so many people's memories and dreams. I have these things from that trip to Zimbabwe in 1973. I have all kinds of examples of things that you can do with those kinds of things. And it's not me creating this in a vacuum, of course. There's people I look to. I've talked about a book uh, by Ken Boll from The Scarborough Dude, Waiting for Now. And... He is a generation older than me, makes a podcast called Dick and Jane's. It's just his personal narrative, and it's lovely. But he took all his letters that he'd mailed to friends over his years of travels, and his friends gratefully kept them. Do my friends keep my letters? I have no idea. I've, I've actually inquired, inquired in a few cases, um, and who's, who's, to, who, who's to say? But all the letters, including some things that would be potentially... Uh, embarrassing or um, morally compromising on his part. It's all in there. And he did it, and it made it into a beautiful tome. Now, I talk about that in another video another time, and I'm not trying to tell you to go look at all these things. What I'm saying is, I didn't create any of these ideas. I'm just encouraging you to do that, and I want to play my part in your creative chain if you're interested in that. Now, the other part of all this, the result and the reason for doing all this is the inspiration that you foster from doing this will surprise you. The things that will resonate or inspire other people will not be the things that you expect. Now, an example of this is my old man punk rock folder. And to me, this is kind of the, not the B pile, but the, there's the things I look at and go, oh yeah, this is this is the poem right here. You know, this is really this is like Rimbaud and Baudelaire and like pff, I'm just working in that tradition. Here I am. <laughs> and summarily ignored. Then I'll dash off something on the back of a napkin, transcribe it, and I will go visit a friend. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I made a, I, I made a song out of one of your 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 poems. And I'm like, huh, what? And they'll get the guitar, and it's something, I'm like, really? I, uh, yeah, huh, I remember, I, yeah, that's, I wrote that, but, well, but, but I changed a couple of words here just to make the, the chorus run a little smooth. Is that all right? Yeah, man, fill your boots. I'm not Robert Hunter here, right? So the inspiration will surprise you. The things that people will react to, and the people will say, oh, oh, yeah, that's a Devo classic right there. Are always ones that I wouldn't expect. And of course, I'm out there waving my hand going, oh, I made a poem. Hey, I made a poem. Do you want to read it? And it's the times that I like float something out. Then people go, oh, geez, that's a beauty. So, um, <sighs> personal archaeology. Digging into your shoeboxes, digital, analog, and otherwise, and switching off the objective, subjective part of your brain and simply contextualizing these things, transcribing them, scanning them, 
if that's your if that's your thing, photographing them. You can get a, a $20 little overhead mount for your robot camera and shoot each of the pages. There's all kinds of techniques for doing this. And it's way better than watching television. So time is elastic, yet here we are in December. Tomorrow I have an appointment with the IV, or is that today? I keep getting days confused. Does that happen to you? I'm sure it does. And I've got a list of letters that I want to write because it's coming up on, well, it's, it should already be into the routine of doing my favorite thing for the festive period, whatever festivals you celebrate or don't, which is sending out cards and letters. And I love doing this. And I have my cards made, postcards, to send out. But before that, I still have some other correspondence that I've been meaning to finish up. Including on my list, there's like, send a package to Gary Snyder. Yeah. Oh, I meant to tell you. So I was, I was downtown in the city the other day, strangely, and I was at a, a, a groovy little uh, coffee shop cafe that also has like a hostel kind of um, place to stay. And I, I, I went in, t- <clears throat> I used, I, I, I used the, the toilet as one does, and there's a little bookshelf in the toilet. And there on the shelf was Gary Snyder, Earth Household, a 1971 printing of Gary Snyder, Earth Household. And I'm there, you know, doing my thing. And I, I, I anyway, it's embarrassing. I, and so I took it out of the toilet and I went and, and talked to the, to the young lady, Tomoko, at the, at the cafe and saying, is this, you know, do you know what you have here? This is a very important book of, of uh, this is a very important book. She's like, well, what, what is this? And this is Gary Snyder. This is, this is so much of the inspiration of the West and the East and the literary tradition connecting in the post-war contemporary times. Like, this is a poem, this is poems and musings from Kyoto, 1956. You know, this is, this is a seminal text in a beautiful little edition. It's just a little, yeah thrown together paperback it's not a uh, it, it's it's not gold binding you know it's not it doesn't have the banksy gold frame on it and i said is this something that people realize the importance of of this book and that this is you know and this is a place that attracts internationals because it's you know it's a place to stay in it and i don't know if someone just le- left it there like is this like a book exchange kind of thing there's also a copy of gary snyder's the old ways but i don't have earth household in my collection here on the shelf and she's like, no, no, this is just a book that we have here at the store. I'm like, well, you know, uh, is this something I could purchase? I will exchange it for another book. I will bring in some, well, I don't know, John Lacar or whatever people read. <laughs> and, and, uh, but anyway, I told her this is a very important book. And this is a critical connector for introducing Zen and Japanese life and aesthetics and adventure and travel between... Cascadia, where I came from, in Japan, where I live. And uh, anyway, uh, I, so I have a packet here to go to Gary Snyder. My pocket, my packet to poet Ron Whitehead arrived after a few circumnavigations in the world. I misread uh, address, so it went there and back again. So it's double envelope with so many stamps. I'm so happy that I made it. I'm always sending things out. So also on my list is a couple other folks that I've met that live here in Japan that we've been exchanging letters and music, which is so much fun. 
a voice message to send to a dear friend in Mexico, and a few other things like that on my list. But there's 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 a lot going on because you know it's my medical treatment and now that folks are here cleaning the house so I've paused on the circumnavigation of sorts book for the time being it was kind of my November thing and there's the national novel writing month campaign and I was I was sorry I called this my slacker version of it because I was compiling poetry not trying to write a 50,000 word novel and the reality is I maybe had six sessions out here in the barn, plus another session of setting everything up. But it gave me the motivation or the impetus to get out these things. Like, <clears throat> if, if, if I had a camera, I would take you a snapshot to show you I'm surrounded by, there's books over there for inspiration. There's art over here that I've received recently that I have to send also to Portugal, a thank you note for, for the art. Rodrigo Janakate, something, um, I, and stacks of my notebooks, and, and, and I brought a, a computer here to the barn. All of it is surrounding me, the lights. I have the air, I have, uh, I, I have warmth. I put on a, a hat and a jacket, and I light incense, and it's some kind of heaven for me to put myself back into this routine. So, but I paused on that because there's now familial things and other festive tasks. And now I moved into the letter writing, card writing phase between now and New Year's with the express goal of not getting sick and not burning myself out. <laughs> Good. So, before I pause on you, I have a stack of notebooks here in front of me that I've opened up to, not entirely random, but pages on which something starts. One of the notebooks is my logbook for the circumnavigation project about what records and what I, what are the little, what records I listened to and what other tasks I did while I was out in the sessions. But I'm going to, I'm just gonna, uh, to, to, to read us something here. You cool with that? And then we'll, and then we'll split. Cause I, I told the, the little ladies that I'd be out in the barn, but I'd come check on them in case they have any any questions. And they're, I mean, they're they're little tiny dynamos, um, and I'm so fortunate that they they come come by. And, and and I tell them, go slow, take it easy, make some tea. But they only they they're they're dynamos anyway. Steeplechased. <clears throat> Steeplechased. I built a sensory deprivation machine out of cardboard, scissors, and glue. Meant to be alone in a fog, but accidentally made room for you as well. Somehow we steeplechased from Oliwa to Pondicherry, Lomo photos of danger signs to develop as an obituary. It doesn't all add up, mostly because I, uh, I, 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 uh, I powered my abacus. Huh? I, oh, I pawned my abacus to pay for silent meditation. Turns out freedom is just an empty glass. A tuk-tuk which only takes wrong turns, a bicycle with a lock that says steal me, mountains seeking holy Brahman, serving espresso and finding only sunburns, a golden dome for the holy mother attached to yet another saint, free-range children climbing Holy banyan trees, a sacred grove painting, a sacred sacred grove signs painted with fresh toxic paint. 
I found enlightenment when I stopped trying and opened the doors to secret cafes with signs I ignored. Realizing danger is perception. Sure, take my rupees, dollars, and the yen. I wander easily with pockets of seashells and manufactured zen. Can I keep going? So this kind of goes into the old man punk rock folder. But then I read it and I go, geez, you know, like I know the little bits and pieces that are being assembled there to make that... <laughs> to make that Jenga puzzle. You may not, and it doesn't really matter, right? You have your own puzzle to make. Uh, so, uh, Virginia's weeping... Virginia's weeping and Lexington's confused. Myrtle has a comment, but doesn't want to seem rude. Last I heard, she was in Moscow, living with Elvis. That's Idaho and Costello. Me, London, and Paris... <laughs> I'm laughing because I, um, when I was going to move to London, I was at Ontario, Paris, Texas, Rykuder. Anyway, bought passage to Athens, Georgia. Tickets to Ithaca, coordinates for Belgravia stuck me at the station. With a queen named Victoria. And uh, now the next page is torn out. And then I have a list of photos to order from when we did a, a, a photo. And then a list of, of, of little uh, technical tasks to do. Well, I, I should have I planned this better. A list of letters. So I, I sent a, a lot of, wow, I sent a lot of letters. There's three pages. Uh, there's, there's the thing I mentioned about sleep, sleep medications. And here's the blueprint, <laughs> the blueprint, the scribble of what became my signpost, which was one of my favorite projects I did this, this year. You, me, and the algorithm trying to reckon nuclear fission from a goat farm in Japan. I asked Zeus, Larry, and Buddha, whatcha whatcha zippity doodah from a, on a clipper flight on Pan Am. They said, Weedy, it ain't that hard. Just eat the grapes from your own yard. They said, Dang, you, Davy, you'll be fine. Just eat the grapes from your own vine. So I bummed a smoke from Leonard Cohen. Would have thought he'd roll his own ones. A cool menthol, no less. No more and an Appleton to be hmm, a mistress. Huh. Anyway, I'm not quite sure why I wrote that. Meet me in Hydra. I'll tailor your suits, he quoted. But I turned him down at the bagel shop. Once I learned he'd joined the gun club. I'm open-minded and tolerant, I thought, except when it comes to melon something something. Greeted me like a friend with the hopes that I'd pretend indifference and servitude. I'll just play the Moscow match so I can pretend rolling Trans-Siberian from Havelos to Land's End. John O'Groats, I'll bring my kilt. Sporin packed with paper clips and a baby quilt made by my grandmother in 1970. Survived from Saskatoon to Sarpsborg through in Gondruk. Forgot, although, though forgotten in Gondruk. No matter, I'll send an aerogram to ladies at museums, lonely, waiting as trekkers, trudge past, seeking enlightenment. 
by moving fast. Others bear their hair dryers, wearing 1980s penny loafers up the North Face, unlicensed by Cambodian factories, paid in bauxite, advanced by a Guinean, Guinean coup. The colonel wears sunglasses like the last houseboat on Glen Canyon, revealing plastic chairs and batteries and flaws of engineering design. Ranchers, ranchers scramble for trickles in case they can't water hay, collecting checks and laughing for sniping wolves and steers for county fairs. Ferris wheel has the day off. Judges are recruited for grading jams. For grading jams. Cotton candy albatross spins web for trucks lining up in rows, wondering how to get po past the kids with the yellow cones. 3.33 an hour and all the hot dogs you can eat from the lukewarm water vat recycled from the dunk tank. Mayors and cheerleaders take turns pretending a bit of humiliation, feigned humiliation, will cure some disease. Meanwhile, back at the goat farm, I light more nag champa received from the other wizard, not the one in PL. Turn the record over to see the golden miles ahead. Questions accepted within reasons. Only sent by telegram, answered by runes of Harold the Bluetooth when done with the detailed exam. All the time for you. There's no hurry at all. I'm here for the long haul. Filled phones with dimes, so to speak. So go slow and tell me everything. Tell me everything. Got all the time for you. Fresh coffee with a view. Know you've had a hard year, though you're trying hard, hard to catch some slack. I'm with her. I'm here with my ears on. I'm here. You're there. No way to change that fact. Still, you need a pal, and somehow I can't pack a steamer truck. I'll sit here as long as you like. I've run away, and you found me. Told me I'm all right. Let me ramble, fret, and cry until I saw some light. Let's get going. Head to nowhere slow. Get ready. Now there's a page with measuring for picture frames. Oh, and a list of a video project. And <laughs> you'd think I'd prepare. It's just you, me, and the algorithm. With my Columbus BJ Honeycutt ham mustache, goggles, and secret spy cam, discovering world of wonders. Numbers 8 through 12. I've made a list of Kambini items, favorite anecdotes of popular topics, jump cut with treatises in the news, talk like I'm clever, interspersed with stock footage, superimposed on yachts with waterfalls. Will you be my collaborator? Selling brushes, mattresses and razors, the way Grandpa did in 59, though to be clear, he sold caterpillar tractors, not centipedes, to foreign despots with cryptic liquidity, keys to liquidity. A dossier of introductions from Niobe to Mexico City dictated, but not typed, from, golf, uh, from dictaphones on golf courses in Suriname. The dams they built with mighty machines, concrete ordered by cubic fun, now struggle to hold back mud, twisted lawn chairs, revealed next to Anasazi ruins, while Phoenix wonders how it all went wrong. 
ranches quibble for compensation, wolfskin rugs and coyote urine, and brag whose wildfires flooded more power out since yesterday, since Tuesday, enough diesel to keep neon cowboy waving at least till the class of angels leave. To embark on futures sure to caution disasters likely disasters like cruise ship tattoos and rain checks on turnpikes. On oh rain checks on Twinkies and appointments from traveling shamans. Hmm. <laughs> disasters like cruise ship tattoos and rain checks on Twinkies and appointments from traveling shamans. From Plato Lane Academia down in Greece to Leonard just laying pipes seems to me Zeus and Buddha probably wouldn't hang unless stuck, stuck next to each other in the middle seat on a flight. The telegrams came with an invoice for services unrendered, notarized and forgotten by the fella in the little hat who disappeared into the Dolomites with lentils and keys to life in a shepherd's barn. Hide away till the future's present and we've all slipped by unnoticed. <laughs> oh, the shaggy black dog came to visit again. Told me the chemtrails are overdue. Mercury is in retrograde for a fortnight this time. And that's why you're feeling blue. I've bought boats for optometrists trying to see more clear. <laughs> On that note... I just got some new spectacles. I've contributed further to optometrists buying boats. However, this particular optometrist has a shop that opened 130 years ago by four fourth, fifth generation optical. 130 years ago, they opened a little glasses shop. <laughs> there was also some a, a random variety of clocks and watches and tea bowls. And the little dear man was all hunched over, but absolutely brilliant. I was there for three hours doing eye gymnastics. And now I have some new spectacles. I would take a photo, but I do not have that technology available. I bought boats for optometrists just trying to see more clear. So, <laughs> my offer stands. If you've got a project you're working on, personal archeology, span artifacts, ephemera, musings, and whatnot, I'm available to say, hey, you're doing great, great job. No, 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 don't overthink it. Because every time I say to someone else, hey, don't overthink it, I remind myself, hey, self, Davey, don't overthink it. <laughs> All right, I'm always making something somewhere else, some other place. I'll talk to you some other time. It might be a whole other year. I don't even know. Let's just skip all that part. And I just want to say that I'm cheering for you and I'm very grateful for all of you folks out there lending your support and your creativity to the human condition. From Suchita College, very fondly, that's your postcard from Gravelly Beach. <laughs>